Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Monday, everybody, and welcome into the Gramlick and McLean podcast presented by Ingalls, the official supermarket of Gramlick and McLean. It is ACC kickoff week. Mac, that means we are so close to college football, <laughs> and I know we'll be in Charlotte. Mac will be on ACC Network all day, every day, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, so make sure you're watching. We'll be covering it on uh, Twitter, of course, giving our thoughts hey, on uh. what's going on. And we do have a special episode today, Mac. We're going to talk to Michael Alford and Graham Neff. We already talked to them earlier, but we're cutting up the specific football points they made to get you primed for ACC kickoff. Mac, I know you're pumped. Come on, KG. Yeah, I'm pumped. We're here. It's finally talking season. It's kind of been that for us, but this is where we go full speed ahead. Full speed ahead. That's right. And and super excited, jacked up. And and even for this episode, kind of an appetizer to reignite and get people excited about this week. As you mentioned, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we're we're going hard in the pain. And really just to see who's coming in in this list, I'm going to turn my head here Mm -hmm. to look at the screen of of the various people jacked up to see Riley Leonard. I think that he, man, can just have a really big year in in the things that he's going to be able to do. Of course, Florida State rolling in with with their dogs. Mm-hmm. You know, you see Jordan Travis, Jared Verse, Kalen Deloach, uh, and, and of course, Coach Norvell there. Uh, I know everybody's going to be excited uh, to to see them and the things that they've got going on. It'll be nice to meet Coach Brom, you know, at Louisville. So I'm I'm excited for that. You know, anytime you get a new name kind of in the conference, you always want to shake their hand and see. It's going to be weird to see Phil Dracovic with a Pittsburgh weird. pin. On his lapel there, that'll be interesting um, and, and strange enough. And, and same thing for uh, Brennan Armstrong, right? He's going to have a NC State Wolfpack head uh, right there. So those are some of the guys. I'm, I'm really excited to see them uh, and, and see everybody. This is one of my favorite things because it's it, it's a little bit chaotic. But you know, when they're sitting with us on the huddle, we kind of calm everything down. Mm-hmm. We're like, hey, we're just chilling here. We're just talking a little ball. And I uh, can't wait to see my guys, of course and be back together with the crew. It's interesting you talk about those QBs that have changed teams. Pitt and BC do not go on the same day, and Virginia and NC State do not go on the same day. So (laughs) maybe a little less drama, even though I feel like everyone will be cool. Mac, I am very intrigued, and we um, recently, last week, Clemson had its own like personal media day where they they talked about different things, and and Dabo met with the, the local media. And I feel like I didn't hear much about Kate Klubnick. So I'm excited to talk to Kate Klubnick and hear what he has to say and hear what some of his teammates have to say. And maybe Dabo will get more questions about Kate because Kate is a guy that could decide this league. I mean, we've got Jordan right. Travis, Drake May, Riley Leonard. I think those are the top three. Um, and Drake May would be one for me. And Max going to be releasing his list soon. But Cade is a huge what if X factor in how this league is going to go. Yeah, well, I think it is interesting that, that people forget. I mean, this is one of the best prospects in the country. Yeah. And for him to – I mean, he's kind of being slept on, to be quite frank. And, and from a lot of different people and in the national narrative, I think he has a good opportunity to, to wake people up. And so this will be great for him you know, to get out in front of everybody, big national scene, and uh, to, to really make some things happen. Definitely. Okay, so today's episode, we're getting you ready for kickoff with Florida State's Athletic Director Michael Alford and Clemson Athletic Director Graham Neff. So let's get to a message from Ingalls, and we will start with the Clemson headman, Graham Neff. It's time to discover the convenience and time savings of contact-free pickup with Ingalls Curbside. Just visit shop.ingalls-markets.com or download the app. 
and your Ingalls personal shopper gets to work with specialized training on how to select the freshest items for a pre-scheduled pickup. They'll even text you with updates. You pull up to a designated space and your personal shopper delivers your items right to your vehicle. Fresh, fast, and affordable. It's all in the bag. Ingalls. Low prices. Love the savings. So let's talk about football before we move on to, to kind of big picture athletics here because you and Coach Sweeney made probably the biggest hire of the offseason, and, mm-hmm. and that's bringing in Coach Garrett Riley. And nobody knew until the freaking ink was dry. Like, who called How it, the heck? You did call it. KG did call it. How did you do that? How, how did you keep it a secret? What was the process? As much as you could share, I know there's details, but, I mean, that, that was incredible when that news kind of broke. So it is, a, it is an awesome um, – I don't know if story is the right word, but just just look back. And certainly my role and, and have been here 10 years, as I said, and have worked closely with Coach Sweeney football program from day one. But obviously now in the last year and a half, different role and even probably a different level of partnership or, or strategy, call it. Um, certainly that that um, change from a coordinator standpoint, uh, driven by Coach, um, but he and I had talked on it off and on over that, um, you know, the, the, the end of the season um, until into there into mid January when when the um, transition transpired, um, a lot of the call it the, the the sequencing or the timing was born out of uh, respect and doing it the right way for Brandon Streeter, um, who's an awesome Clemson man and family was a heck of a player here, let alone a heck of a coach, and so wanted to make sure that there was there was um, you know the, the steps and the, the conversations along the way were really really sensitive to that. Um, so so that that was certainly one of the drivers. And listen, like it's been well written and, and so much a part of the success of, of uh, Clemson football and how Coach Sweeney has led is the culture of the program and staff continuity and consistency, consistency in the locker room, right? All of that, Mac, that you were a huge part of and still are, and so. A change like that, like this, from a coordinator position was, uh, you know, significant on so many levels. Mm-hmm. And so working through that where it was just a really, really tight circle. And it might not even have been a circle. It might have been a line with Dabo and I, you know, right? <laughs> it was really, yeah. really cool um, to be able to support Dabo in that, you know, that consideration or that opportunity um, it, from what my role, you know, was and is. Yeah. Uh, but then also to be really um, prudent about how it how it went down, knowing that it, it, one of the one of the um, moments, wow, there was a couple day stretch of, hey, think this is going to happen, but let's make sure we we are in sequence with each other, because Coach had, you know, his kind of call it list of dominoes or or, or, or people to meet, you know, in certain steps and players and staff and offensive staff and parent, you know. And, and, and so did I, but mine was very different, right? President, board, you know, <laughs> HR, whatever, you know. And so we kind of were just being very intentional about making sure that we were each on the same page of what each of us needed to do by way of what our roles were. Right. That we didn't get out of sequence and, you know, um, call into question the actual transition, but that also that we were able to, to when it was go time at certain steps, we're able to move very efficiently mm-hmm. with and certainly, you know, for me, it works up through President Clements and our board. And so to have that level of sensitive but really, um, you know, trusted type dialogue and, and decision points, you know, that that those aren't just created in a, a moment for a couple of days where you want to make a change like this. Those are day to day. We talk about alignment a lot. You're right. And so that's where when there are significant decisions that are made or rolled out where that alignment is is 
stress isn't the right word, but where it's really put to the test or, or where it's really uh, flexed. And so I think that was a great um, this change. While it, you know, to your point, Mac, it feel like it came out of left field and it was done before it was done. Um, you know that that was born out of you know days, months, years worth of relationships, of process, of sure. understanding. You know how things work at Clemson, how things need to work in the football facility and with staff, um, and then you get successes, like you said, of how of how things like that get rolled out. So, so I hope some of that is is a little bit of inside baseball on how it went without getting too particular. That's right. um, but incredibly pleased of of certainly sure how that transpired, but obviously what what Garrett's going to bring to the program yeah. to the offense and a little bit of even what that change means, which is sure. I know part of your point. Yeah, no, no question. So, so what kind of I mean, what kind of message do, do you think that sends? Throughout college football, I mean that that a team that just won a championship that was in a, a New Year six was getting better thinks that hey, there's another step that we can take. Let's go get the best coordinator in the country. What kind of message do you think that sends out to, to everybody else? Yeah, I, uh, strong in probably a number number of different ways. The um, and I, it, it's a good indication. And right, we haven't made the playoffs in the last two years. And Coach, we be the first to tell you um, of where his expectations are um, for for his program. And so, listen, I, you know, Clemson, our brand, success, how we recruit, A, is just different. I happen to be, this is interesting, you, you bring up the topic of, of uh, Coach Riley. I happen to be at dinner with Garrett on, on Monday night, a couple of days ago, with his wife, Lindsay, and Kristen, and some friends. And so, um, and we're just coming off of uh, certainly January, uh, June official visits and kind of heavy recruiting month, right? And Garrett's been here now six months, less than that. And so we just kind of have a portion of our conversation about, you know, and he was remarking like, God, it's just different here. Right. And that's something that Clemson folks like, you, you know, like, ah, oh, it's just different here. But like, so now he's, you know, hadn't been at Clemson before per se and just how even recruiting or official visits work, certainly how coach Sweeney leads the program, the culture of the, of the program of the locker room. And so, you know, but that my, my point was to answer your question, that was, while it wasn't known for Garrett, like that reputation of Clemson, of Coach Sweeney, different to work for, go about our, our business differently, like in a, in a Clemson unique way, like that was a big part of his pull or his consideration to come and, and, and leave an awesome setup at TCU, national champions or national championship game and come to Clemson because like, yeah, yeah, he had heard that, he sensed that, he desired that for he and his family and his career. And then now for him for six months, kind of fire hosing it, but to be able to look back up, you know, a half year and kind of like recognize and have experienced that, it was a little bit of full circle is not the right word, but like for him seeing the 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 reality of mm-hmm. maybe the reputation out there of Clemson, sure from a recruiting from a college football world, but even in the coaching circles, right? And how from a learning from Coach Sweeney and, and seeing how things are done differently at different places and how that's just going to help Garrett become continue to be a, a great coach at Clemson and, and whatever is ahead for him, um, I think is a, is a cool part of that that allure or that statement of what that change and what that attraction uh, of Clemson was for him. Well, now I have to know, before I ask about the ACC, speaking of the Rileys, did you also go to the Kenny Chesney concert with Dabo and Lincoln and Garrett? It seemed like it was a real who's who, Graham. Um, I don't know if you're, if, if that's about, I, I, yes, I was there. I uh, knew it. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I walked in. So, yeah, so, yeah, Dabo and Garrett and Lincoln. And um, I actually had one of my best friends. I'm going to see this weekend. He's my one of my high school best friends um, who came up from Atlanta for it and, and it was one of those, right? I got some tickets and he was like, oh, that's cool. And then I didn't really know exactly how it was all going to work. But one thing led to another. We were kind of down there with Coach and, you know, the Rileys and some folks and <laughs> met Penny. And it was uh, oh. 
that was that was a special deal. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Okay, did did we give Kenny some Clemson gear? Isn't he a Tennessee fan, right? All right, here, yeah, right. The whole East Tennessee. He's got some songs written about that. Um, here's the right, Mac. Um, here's the deal, though. <laughs> At one point, this was this was like a holy cow. Welcome to like my job moment. We were down. This was post concert. Golly, I'm getting into weeds here. Oh, post concert, kind of backstage and right smoking. Kenny like had a heck of a show. He's down there. And he's he's kind of debriefing the show. And he was like, yeah, like after the third song, I thought the crowd, we needed to. And it really hit into high gear. And he and this, and I was like, I thought the whole thing was awesome. But <laughs> you know that. My point was, so he's going, he loves college football and concerts and Sweeney's like, hey, you need to come play in the Valley. And Kenny's like, that's awesome. You know, I was like, oh, I do that. And Uh-oh. then they both look at me. And so I got Kenny Chesney and Dabo Sweeney. Looking at me, Garrett Riley's like off in the, you know, Lincoln Riley are kind of like chuckling. <laughs> They're looking at me like, hey, Neff, make this happen. Get it and done. Like, Get it done. I got Chesney and Sweeney leaning on me. To, I was like, all right, let me let me work on some things. So no promises for the Valley, but okay. that was a discussion that, that, that uh, recently ensued and who knows what that was. So there, there may or may epic. not be a contract on a napkin somewhere. I like it. Okay, breaking news. We'll get that out there. Oh, that's awesome. Well, yeah, I mean, look, Graham, make it happen. That I think every Clemson fan is going to be thinking that now uh, after listening to this. We appreciate those stories. I also love the name drop, right? I'm just sitting with Kenny after the show, and we're debriefing, and he's telling me how his show went. That's, that's pretty big time, Graham. Okay. Kenny's mom was – this is a fun little uh, – I know we're wrapping up the, the Chesney uh, Chronicles. We don't have to. We do um, not. <laughs> Kenny's mom happened to be at that that show, and so like I was I, again, I was backstage doing something not to not to have it sound that way. But then Kristen, who we talked about, my my lovely roommate, she, at some point she's just like her and and Mrs. Chesney are like now they're like texting their pal. I'm not surprised. Like, Kenny's mom, and yeah, not surprised exactly. <laughs> So it was a, that was a special, special night, no doubt. Okay, well, we've got the hookup. If we're in with Kenny's mom, I think we can get Kenny to Death Valley. Uh, this is amazing. I'm very excited for this. I'm sure that coming up soon that Kenny's mom is going to text Kristen's like, hey, where's Graham on this contract for like, you know, it's all just exactly. coming back to, hey, Neff's got to figure something out. So I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll take the burden. Ball's in your court, Graham. <laughs> uh, okay, let's talk about the ACC. And I want to ask this a little differently, okay? What in this current landscape of college football, as someone who is the head of one of the ACC's member institutions, what does the ACC have going for it right now, and what does the ACC need to improve upon right now in the current landscape? One of the things with the ACC, and right, there's been a lot written, and that you know, even our spring meetings, like I got it. Um, I think one of the one of the and I growing up in suburban Atlanta, the Southeast, Georgia Tech alum, like I, I'm an ACC guy. Um, I think one of the things, one, one of the, the best attributes of the ACC has had for probably since its inception is the diversity of the league. Um, public schools, private schools, big schools, small schools, northeast, southeast, um, all throughout the, you know, Florida to um, Syracuse and Midwest, Louisville, Nordic, um, football, maybe focused or, 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 or um strong tradition, basketball focused, strong tradition. So the diversity of the institutions of the league, I think, has been uh, such a level of, of success and, a, and an attribute um, for, again, for, for decades. Um, you overlay that into current changing landscape, and it certainly proves to be difficult, you know, or, or, or maybe better said, proves to add you have so many different perspectives or opinions as an association, as a league, 
and what's important for each school is is probably more diverse than maybe other leagues where there's maybe a little bit more level of overlap of of importance. Um, so that's that's maybe just some commentary or some perspective on why um, you know that there's just there's it's it's really tough to um, coalesce around really focused priorities, so to speak, for for college athletics these days. Let alone maybe what what has transpired a little bit um, for the ACC. That being said, I, you know Commissioner Phillips, I think there's been a lot said or written. I'll I'll, I'll further just the the job that he's doing from the commissioner chair. Um, and, and listen, he's a longtime AD, right? He's been a, a, a key figure, a mentor, uh, for me from afar and, and certainly now from near, um, for years. So I just, I, I really value him as a, as a, as a man, as a father, husband, let alone as an administrator, let alone as, as our commissioner. Um, and so as he's helped to further the league and certainly the, the success initiatives call it revenue distribution chairs, how that's transpired, really important. Commission has been really, uh, steadfast in, uh, prioritizing that for the league presidents, ADs to 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 look at and consider, and, and we've had some progress, and and that is going to roll through, um, you know, this summer, fall, right as we work a work a process with it. Um, so I think Kelly, that's maybe a little bit of an answer to, hey, what what has the league done well? I, again, I think there has been some some cohesion around some of the the priorities. I think Commissioner Phillips, as he said from day one of introduction a couple years ago now, of prioritizing football. Um, and, and we've seen that kind of day to day, but I, I think we've seen the external, um, uh, you know, uh, vocation of that in, in various ways from a media, from PR, from a football investment standpoint that obviously, um, goes in line well with maybe how we've invested and prioritized in the past year at Clemson. So, um, you know, so you have that, listen, my, my colleagues in the league, it's been one of the things for me that has been such a, uh, a blessing from a career standpoint that my predecessor here at Clemson and, and, and personal friend and mentor professionally, Radakovich Dan, that he's not only still in the industry, but he's in the league. And so we have our spring meetings or we're on, you know, Zoom calls and, you know, Dan and I certainly spend a lot of time together. And that's, that's huge for me as, you know, first time in this chair, so to speak, let alone like how we're, um, you know, operating or helping to position or further the leagues being at, be, further the league being at two, you know, the bigger brands in the league. So, so I don't know, I, I hope Kelly, that answers some of it and, in, in, you know, in and out of the question and just some some perspective on where the where the league sits and maybe where I hope what Clemson's role should and, and can be as we look to further grow the revenue and position the league from a branding standpoint. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a tough question. These are literally things that haven't happened a ton. I mean, it's happened. I mean, we go back and look at history, you know, realignment and changing conferences and, and TV rights and all these things. It's happened. Uh, but it, everything just seems like it's so magnified right now just in the world that we live in. So, um, appreciate your answer. Appreciate your honesty. Last one, we'll get you out of here. I know you got to run. I do want your your kind of opinion on realignment, on expansion, just from a general consumer, just from a guy who loves athletics, is in athletics. Is this good for college athletics? Is it going to wipe parts of college athletics out? Are we seeing this seismic shift to where we have a baby NFL? I don't think you can have a baby NBA. Those products are so different right now. I don't think that can exist, but it, it is where we're going good for college athletics. Yeah. And it's interesting. You even say baby NBA and Mac, we all know, or at least I know, listen, you're a big old dude, tight end, offensive lineman play, you know, NFL trap, you know, but you're a, you're a hooper at heart, right? Let's be honest, KG. Like, you know, he needs to get a little action on the network. Oh, on yeah. the, on the, That's oh, right. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> um, but right. Like baby NBA, like, like the NBA has that like G league, right. you know, and, and minor league systems, baseball, whatever, like, 
And that's where, to your point a little bit, Mac, football is different because there isn't the developmental leagues. And I know like you do the XFL stuff. I think there's a lot of growth and opportunity there, which I think is really healthy for college football, quite frankly. Um, and Mac, you, you have an awesome and compelling story about how you have some passion um, of, of the, you know, the, the, those, those leagues from a, from a, a professional football standpoint. Right. But right now that's a, that's or historically, that's been a, a pretty straightforward jump from NFL to college football from a developmental standpoint. So that's where, you know, it is different to your point. Is it good? Is, is expansion is, is, uh, you know, conference alignment, realignment, you know, I think there, there's pros and cons. I certainly recognize, and I'm not going to dismiss the, the difficulties of, of losing some of the regionality, right? Yeah. And what that looks like for student-athlete experience, for travel, for fan travel, for kind of natural rivalries, right? That There's probably um, – that's tough. And, and, and I think there's – Flying know, from UCLA to Rutgers. Sure. Yeah. I, let's be honest, right? Um, so don't want to be naive or dismiss that or I'll, I'll you know, address that head on. I, you know, I think some of that is, is, is not good. Um, I do think, though, that the um, further alignment of, you know, uh, big brands, schools that are like minded for investment and how that does create, you know, even more of like a powerful, um, prominent um, national awareness Hmm. um, and national called investment um, in college sports or college football. I think there's there's some good with that. you know, so how it continues to to ebb and flow um, again, because because that is one of the things too. College sports, so much of football drives the revenue, right? Let's let we we know this. Um, but as we've talked about at Clemson, we have twenty other sports, yeah. and how we associate and how perhaps we're we're regional and, and how what that looks like for travel, for experience, just for competitiveness. Right. It's, it's just really different. And so, so much has been talked about or written about, hey, should there be a separate football? They should break off. Like, I don't know. Again, I think there's a lot of good for that. I don't want to dive down that path right now. Maybe <laughs> well, that was my next question. So, again, I'm just kidding. I'm joking. <laughs> no. I, so, listen, I recognize, and, and again, I'm, I know I'm a younger dude for um, amongst my colleagues. So, I hope to be doing um, this role specifically at Clemson for, for decades to come. And so, I hope to be able to be positioned myself, let alone, you know, it's Clemson, Tiger Paw, to, to be a leader in, in what this, what the future state of college athletics, let alone maybe football looks like. And so there's, there's a lot of change at hand. Maybe the best way I, that, that you, know, you say it is there's all these seminal changes, seminal changes, not seminal changes, <laughs> uh, in college athletics right now, NIL transfer portal, College football playoff expansion, NCAA governance, leadership mm-hmm. change, um, and, and they're all those are all like significant organizational changes that maybe historically would happen over decades. They're happening over a handful of years, and so like all this flux and turmoil is just what's so difficult right now. And so, what's the what's the end game, or where do you kind of come to a maybe a better stasis? Um, you know, you, you try to work towards that. I think there's some good ideas. As, as there has there been, and will there be bumps along the way? 100. We're right in the in the um, dearths of that. It feels like right now. Um, but I think there is some good for change. There there is some difficulties that you like the traditional aspects and regionality. Mm-hmm. Mac, um, but future state of of the game um, in college sports, I think, uh, couldn't be brighter. Uh, we just got to get get there in a in a great uh, way about it.
Big shout out to Graham, man. Thank you for joining us. And, and such a fun conversation just to hear, you know, kind of his mindset and, and really that shockwave, right, that went mm. out for college football uh, when, when Garrett Riley came to town. Uh, another guy who's not afraid to send some shockwaves out himself. Talk about that big brand down at Florida State. Michael Alford, our buddy, uh, AD down at Florida State, joins us. Let's hear his conversation right here. Man, Coach Norvell has just done such an amazing job at Florida State in such a quick you know, amount of time. And, and it didn't start off that way. There, there was a little bit of rockiness that, you know, he had to go through. But I think what was so important was that Florida State, as as administrative, you know, kind of point of view, they gave him time. Why, why is that so important to allow these coaches to, to have that time, whatever it is necessary, to put in their culture, put, to put in their system, their beliefs, to now where you're seeing this machine that is just cranked up? Well, you know, we kind of got here at the same time. Uh, coach and I did and being able to call it behind the curtain uh, being able to see what he was doing the culture he was building um, and really the type of individual he was bringing in to be associated with the program whether that's the coaching staff he was formulating the type of high character man they are and what they believed in everything down to the players to the nutrition I mean there there was a there was a game plan and being able to work with him through it and understand what the process was going to be to turn the program and then seeing the results of the young men and the high character people that were associated with the program, you knew it was going to lead to success. I'm a firm believer. It all starts with culture. Uh, I love the book. Good to great (laughs) because your culture is going to build everything that you're doing and it will result resulted in good success for you and to see what he was putting in place i knew and we knew uh, success was coming because these young men are are doing it the right way and, and putting their priorities in order of, of sustainable success and we talk about that all the time you can you can be a flash in the pan but if you have the right culture lonnie's a great example of this mm-hmm. if you have a great culture of what you're building you're going to have sustained success. And that's what you're looking for. We probably could have done so. He probably could have taken some shortcuts and had success a little sooner, but we want the sustained success. And that's what Florida State represents with Coach Bowden. That success we had, the most historic run probably ever in college football. And we want to get back to that. And we think we, for sure, with this culture, are heading in the right direction. Well, speaking of sustained success, now we look at the upcoming college football season and Mac and I talk about it basically with every guest because it just comes up because the FSU (laughs) hype train has left the station and it is going 100 miles an hour. How do you take advantage of that as an athletic department? How does Coach Norvell take advantage of that? But also realize that, yes, you want the hype because you're returning all these guys and Jared Verse comes back and all that and all that stuff. But you still got to go, you know, play LSU and prove it. So how do you balance that from an athletic department position as a whole? Well, it's it's, it's being prepared. And one thing when I became, and Kelly, yes, the question, one of the thing, first things I did was getting to know the student athletes, but also internally started putting in processes and procedures uh, to make sure you're prepared. You talk about any great business and you're going to put in processes and procedures. So when success comes, you're hitting on all cylinders. And that was really one of the first steps I do start some restructuring, working with the boosters, working with our marketing, just making sure our ticket office, how we go about 
our business operations, making sure that when success comes, that you're prepared, you're prepared to capitalize on it. And that was something we've been working on. Uh, We've had a a top fundraising year. The last two years have been the top we've ever had. Um, We got some facility projects. You're probably going to ask me about that later on. The fundraising going on with that has been very successful. But in order to capitalize on the momentum that you're talking about across all of our sports is making sure we have a plan and making sure that we're prepared internally to have those conversations and to showcase our student athletes. No matter how much success, I tell the story all the time, we got 600 great stories on this campus of these young men and women that are associated with our programs. We need to go out and show them and really show what they're about, their their journey to where they are, and ask our partners just to partner with us to help us uh, make an impact on these young men and women's lives. And that's just having a plan and going out and executing it. Just like a game plan in any year. That's right. That's right. You got to be ready. You got to be ready. I think that's very important and very wise, you know, what you just said right there, because it's only a matter of time. And when that happens, how have we prepared, you know, kind of and can really reap in, you know, all that fruit and and that great harvest. So you brought it up. Uh, I I was going to mention it a little bit later, but let's talk about it now, because it was very interesting when, you know, we got a visit with you guys last year, the huddle was down there. We're doing our summer tour and I see this beautiful weight room with this awesome equipment, all this stuff. And I'm talking with the coaches. They're like, oh yeah, this is just temporary. You know, we'll be here for a year or so. And then we'll move in to the next place. And I was like, what, what's going on? So, you know, it, it, what's interesting is there was a time not too long ago, actually, where Florida state would not spend money. And, and it was kind of this, I, I don't want to call it complacency, but that kind of was what it was. We won with less why do we need to spend more? And I think folks uh, like yourself and other administrators have really came in and said, no, we have to keep getting better. Even when we're at our best, we have to keep getting better and keep investing. So now we're seeing this amazing facility, great weight rooms, football only, all these different things. So I guess why is that important? And then just lay out the project for us, what we've got going on. Yeah, it's so important. because, And I go back to the student-athlete experience. Um, for us to be able to provide them the greatest experience, they need the best facilities. Uh, and that's, that's our job. Um, but you know, not the Monday morning quarterback, Eric, but you know, when I first showed up to Florida State three years ago, I was kind of taken back by, by the facilities. Um, and just the knowing coming from Oklahoma, and it's a funny story. We toured Oklahoma's football building that I did when I was there seven years ago and raised the money for design and did that. They're, I was with Joe, and they're building another one already. <laughs> I'm just like, hey, just Thad Turnip scene. Of course, and, and, and I was with them. They're doing it. They're redoing yeah, it. <laughs> I was with him at, at Alabama. That's right. Thad and I go very when he he and I were touring it yesterday and and wow. talking about it and showing me what he was going to do with the new one. But you know, it's so important that we have the very best. And we're at the end of the day, as I tell our donors, I tell our staff, we're Florida State University. And there's an expectation and a standard that comes with being Florida State University with being a Seminole. And that's the expectation is to be the very best. And the standard is to have the best. Um, so going out and addressing that, we address the locker room in football that hadn't been done. Uh, we did the weight room, which hadn't been updated in over 15 years. And, and built that new weight room. We've broken ground on the 150,000 square foot football facility. 
We went to softball, added additional seating, did a premium seating area in softball mm-hmm. that sold out in two seconds. And we even got, we're expanding on that. Um, we got plans for baseball. We did some some cosmetic things in baseball, but now we're going in and looking at seating. Um, I was on a phone this morning with Beach Volleyball, uh, looking at building a brand new building, a brand new facility there. I think it's going to happen real soon. Um, so constantly looking at how do we get better and invest in the student athletes and facilities play a major, major part of that. One of the first things I addressed when I got here is nutrition. We got our new nutritionist and went out. I didn't like what we were our training table for our mm-hmm. student athletes. So went out and partnered with the very best who does the training table for the Cowboys, the Saints that box the Yankees, Real Madrid, and Man U, and the Florida State Seminole, where they're on collegiate client. Um, but I want our student athletes to have the very best. So it's really just going out, having a vision, putting the processes in place, but then making sure that what we build impacts them and their daily life and that they're able to capitalize on it and help them achieve their goals and dreams uh, of being where they're here at Florida State. Well, Michael, you're currently speaking our language. As former student athletes, we all know training table is the most important thing. Uh, it's at least <laughs> top three. Hey, I went to school in Mississippi. I went to school in Mississippi. We just had fried catfish. Yeah. <laughs> Look, <laughs> times have changed because even Mac and I are not that old, but 10, 15 years ago, there were a lot of things they couldn't give us. I remember we had to have a collective jar of peanut butter in our locker room because they couldn't give us peanut butter. We couldn't have they a could bagel, give us bagel and peanut butter. It was yeah. unbelievable. But, but you can't spread it on there. Right. That's it right. Is, you can't, that's illegal. So Unreal. Dumb. So I'm so, so glad that's changed in these current students because we know how important nutrition is. And those founding and those building blocks of how you eat in college can you know, continue on for the rest of your life. But anyway, let's get off the food, even though we all know it's the most important part. <laughs> When we look at college athletics as a whole, this I am so intrigued with your perspective on this because we're seeing, as some people want to say, you know, the Big Ten and the SEC, they're expanding, they're taking over. And, you know, where does that leave the ACC? And that's a that's a big question for a lot of people that listen to our podcast. Where where do you think that leaves the ACC? And, And what does the ACC need to do as we see college athletics move towards this more uncertain future? I can tell you, I have 100% confidence in, in Commissioner Phillips. Um, he is definitely the right guy to lead us through this, call it transition phase of collegiate sure. athletics. He's doing uh, just marvelous of trying to position the ACC to to try new things. With the, yeah. I mean, look at the revenue discussions we're having. Um, no other conference is really talking about that right now. But it's something we need to do because of the media contracts and and falling behind a little bit just because of people are able to go to market again before we're able to go to market. Um, So it's looking at it holistically. And I think he's doing a marvelous job of of coming up with some solutions. Uh, Do they solve the entire problem? No, but they are providing some steps and solutions to help narrow that revenue gap a little bit. But we still, as a conference, need to continue to look of how we narrow that gap. How are we innovative? How are we creative um, ahead of other peer conferences and get ahead of of this collegiate new landscape? And mm-hmm. it really is about just working together and trying to come up with a solution. 
you know, we have some major brands in our conference. Uh, and what are we doing to, to make sure that those brands stay at, at the top of the level mm -hmm. uh, they are as a conference? And that's just some of the discussions we're having. And he's doing a marvelous job. Um, you know, I got to continue to push because I, I, I'm at Florida State and I represent Florida sure. State. Sure. Make sure we have our best interest in alignment mm -hmm. with what the conference is doing. And, of course. and so it's 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 a work in progress, Kelly. And um, but I have 100 percent faith in, in Jim uh, to lead us through this transition. Now, there's, there's no doubt that it, it, it's going to be a man, just an interesting thing. You know, five, 10 years. What does this whole landscape you know look like? I mean, you're, you're mentioning the Metro Conference. So all, all this, you know, the, the, the realignment and changing, it's nothing new. Um, yeah, we're just I'm, just glad you, I'm just glad you and Kelly knew what the Metro Conference was. That's right. Was right. That's right. That's right. Com did not I, have to Google it. I did what not I knew it, it was, was the conference Florida State was in before they came into the ACC <laughs> That's right. That's and right. started dominating. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and, and so it's it's nothing new, but we we always make stuff such a big deal, you know, just as media and social media continue to grow. You know, it, it's just talking points for everybody, but th th it's nothing that college has not seen before. College athletics has not seen right. before, but I do kind of want just your, your personal opinion. I know you said, you know, the best interest of Florida state and, and this and that, but as a former D one athlete and, and a football fan, I think we all are at the end of the day, is this realignment expansion thing good for college athletics, good for college football, or do, do you want to see it maybe slow down a little bit? Well, being a traditionalist, uh, <laughs> you, you know, I struggle with it um, to see where it's heading and, and to see the, the separation gap and, and really the revenue separation gap. Yeah. And, you know, you look at what's going on in NIL, you look at facilities, you you look at the race that's going on. You know, it's it's one of those things I sit back and go, is it right or wrong? I, I It's not my to say, uh, may not agree with it, but it's reality. Um, so, it, you know, it's, it's something you just got to monitor. You got to stay with, mm -hmm. and I got to make sure what I'm doing, uh, in working with our administration on campus is I'm positioning Florida state to wherever the collegiate landscape escape goes that's right. in the best possible, best possible light. And that's looking at our facilities, looking at what we're doing, student athletes, looking at how we invest in making sure that our brand is still recognizable nationally, globally. Yeah. And what are we doing marketing-wise to make sure that we get our message out to, to who the Seminoles are and what we stand for? You know, there's not many institutions that, and I tell our, our players, our student-athletes this, that you can graduate from a top 20 public institution uh, and have that meaningful degree in the left hand and be able to compete for championships and have those rings on your right hand across the board in all sports. So that that's kind of our call. We want a degree on the left and championship rings on the right when you walk off campus, uh, because we are here to set you up and to have that meaningful impact to go be great contributors to society. And that's what the student athlete experience is about. We should never lose that as we look at the changing landscape of collegiate athletics. But we also have to be knowledgeable that it is changing and, and that we need to prepare ourselves for whatever opportunity comes. Right. I think, you know, the ACC and a lot of the member institutions understand there needs to be some sort of adapting to what's going on. But I want to point out you're in Oklahoma City. You're there uh, right now as we're recording this because the Florida State softball team is in the College World Series yet again. And that's something that I really admire about Commissioner Phillips. And I'm a big fan of his as well. 
that women's athletics are still at the top of his mind. And we've talked about Florida State and how they're good at literally every women's sport. I mean, that's always been a thing that Florida State has prided itself on. So that's something that worries me a little bit, Michael, I'll be honest. And it worries Mac because he has an eight-month-old daughter who's going to be a hooper. So he understands this. How do we, and from what you've heard in different meetings you've been in and just being at the forefront of what we're doing, how do we maintain and be able to fund women's athletics? Well, also, I understand, I get it. Football funds almost everything, and I love college football, and that's where the money is. How do we balance it? And the answer might not be, we're not sure yet, but where do you see that going? It is something that, as I said at the beginning, the student-athlete experience and having three daughters, fortunate, all-girls club, um, (laughs) and seeing what impact collegiate athlete experience had on them. Right. Got one who's very successful working in the NFL. Um, this, she's really proud of her. I have one that just graduated um, from Central Michigan. I got one that was a freshman playing last year. Mm-hmm. And just to see the impact the coaches, the experience, the travel, the food, everything we took advantage of when we were student athletes that helped shape our lives to where we are today to make sure we keep that. And that's my daily thought process. And how do I make sure that we keep the student athlete experience relevant and that we do have that impact? I was having a conversation last night with one of our donors here, which made a nice contribution. So it was it was great. Shout out on the pod. Shout out on on that. (laughs) But, you know, it was talking about our our softball team and what Lonnie does and the impact that she has on these young women's lives, but then also looking at the way we treat them with nutrition, as we talked about and how we've upgraded that and, and the travel and the, the, we're staying at the nice hotel, the Skirvin here in Oklahoma city, one of the nicest and just the experience they have and being able to provide that to them is what keeps me up. Because if we ever separate that, um, you're, you're right, Kelly, uh, the, you know, financial side, there's only one sport that really drives uh, the revenue, and but in it and it has a trickle down effect uh, being able to fund these other programs. But at least here at Florida State, we're always going to fund our programs as highest levels we can fund them and make sure that student athlete experience is there, and especially in our women's sports mm-hmm. because it is so important to to Florida State yeah. uh, that we we have a broad based approach uh, to our athletic programs. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, I know Kelly and, and Michael, you both said it a hundred times, but that's not just talk like folks go look at the records, go look at the championships, go look They're at what's at going everything. on. That's go what, look at the facilities, the facilities that's right. we provide that's right. on, uh, everything that we're doing for our yeah. women's sports um, and the high character coaches that sure. uh, go out and make sure that we have uh, leading those programs. They're just such yeah. great leaders and have such right. an impact, which is very important. No, no, no doubt about it. Um, I did want to circle back on one thing, just with the changing of athletics. And, you know, when you look at the transfer portal, you look at NIL, you look at realignment, TV contracts, playoff expansion, all these different things that, man, six years ago didn't exist, you know, for for, a, for an athletic director to have to worry about. So it's almost like, hey, hey, Michael, here's a whole new job. Put it on top of right. what you have to figure out. So of kind of those things, and maybe there's something up, maybe you blindside me here. <laughs> what what gets the your most attention or, or what is something that made you, you just think about it always you got to carve out time for it every day it feels like of kind of uh, you know those options there yeah uh, you hit all of them 
<laughs> honest, but, yeah. but you know, it, it really, some of the big things right now are, is the conference realignment. And I go back to making sure that you got to take care of your internal processes first. And that was one thing when I first became athletic director, when all of the, some of this discussions was going on, it was, well, we got to make sure we put ourselves in the best light facility wise. Because we don't have the best facilities and, and you know, we got to make sure no matter what happens, that Florida State is the brand is still the brand uh, of what it used to be. And we got to keep growing that. Um, but then you look and something that's really as close as the tampering, the transfer portal, everything going on in the industry right now. Um, you know, and I was fortunate enough to, to be co-chair of lead one in the NIL committee back in 2019 that we put together and we go to the NCAA in January of 20 and provided a system of guardrails, a third party administrator, uh, agents being registered. And and now what do you hear? Hey, we need guardrails. We yeah. need party administrator. We need agents being, we, we told you what was going to happen in 20 uh, if we didn't put guardrails and put some of these processes in place. And now you look at it. Now we're like, now we need these things. Well, the genie's out of the bottle. Um, so I spend a lot of time right now. I'm fortunate to still be working on that. Uh, and really, the Congress is leading by Florida with Gus Bilarakis and the Commerce Committee. And we're the only school to have Kaylee Mudge softball mm-hmm. to go to present uh, up and be asked to go to present. NDC about the impact of NIL and how it's impacting her and how she's doing it the right way. Um, and just keep leading that charge because Kelly, I go back. It is important that we, that we continue to try to solve this because yeah. it is going to have such an impact on the Kaylee Mudges, on the Michaela Edenfields, on these young athletes that maybe aren't playing football. Um, the, that we can still have that experience for them and NIO being important. And we just need to get it right and, and make sure we're doing it the right way. Yeah, I, I agree. I think we all on this call, on this um, podcast, agree that NIL, it can and should be a positive, but it's just a matter oh. of figuring out how. And none of us are against students profiting off an image, nope. image likeness. I mean, that probably should have been happening a long time ago. 100% in favor. I wish they had it when I played. Right, yeah. exactly. That's right. Eric, I know Eric wishes they Think had of the money Let's Eric McLean could have made. He would have had that best uh, pizza deal in, in Oh, yeah, the beer right. products. I mean, <laughs> the opportunities are endless there. But I want to I want to end on, a, at least for me, kind of a positive note here. We all know the impact of college athletics and the impact that it's had on our lives. And I still think the future of college athletics can be very positive and hopefully can continue to impact generations to come. Do you agree with me on that, Michael? Like, do you, th- the people that say college athletics is dead, college football is dead, whatever the second NIL happened. I, I just, I don't agree with that. What, what are your thoughts when people say that? Uh, I'm in total agreement with you, Kelly. You know, at the end of the day, we're here to support the educational mission of, of any university you're, you're, you're with and to make sure that we are, investing in these young men and women. I mean, you're 17, 22. This is, like I said earlier, I think the three of us can say this is when we had the most impact of who we were going to be later in life. And the people around us had that impact on us. So I, I believe that to the core value um, that we're still having that impact on these young men and women, we're still positioning them to 
get a great education from, a, like I said, a top 20 public institution in America and give them the opportunity to have friends and, and really form their opinions and philosophies and on life and how they're going to go out by what we surround them with to go be great contributors to not only their hometowns or society or wherever they end up, but compete and be great people that you would want to employ. Yeah. And that's our job because we are teaching them those core values while they're here. And I don't think that's ever going to go away. Uh, I think now it may change. And I, once again, we're all for the NIL. I think it's great. They should profit from it, but never lose the fact that the educational mission of the university is why you're at it. Love talking with these two. The fact that we got the two, I mean, you could say most powerful athletic directors in the league, two of the most powerful in the country on the pod. We had to replay it because we were just so hype about these guys. So we appreciate their time. Coming up on Monday, full ACC kickoff recap. That's where you will hear our official picks, who's going to win the league, player of the year, order of finish, all that stuff. And then that Wednesday, August 2nd, August is really when football starts. We will That's begin right. our season previews. We will be talking Virginia and Boston College on Wednesday. So get ready, y'all. Buckle up. It's time. Come on, KG. Let's go. I can't wait. This is honestly, this is one of the more fun, yeah. you know, just time frames for us because we get to sit down, talk with people, players, head coaches, former players. You'll see it. This loaded, man. We, we've done a lot of these interviews already and are very excited to share them with you guys, just about each and every team. So we're going to run through all 14 schools, access that you mm. can't get anywhere else, just hearing from these guys. And it, it's so much fun. It, it gets me jacked up. It gets me excited. Uh, but that is next <laughs> week. You got to come back. You got to check it out. Uh, but that's it from us. Another great episode of Gramlick and Mac Lane presented by our friends over at Ingles. We're very grateful for them. Uh, we need you guys to do us a favor. Go over to YouTube. If you're not watching us right now, what are you doing? Come on. Get over there. Subscribe. Leave some comments. It's always fun to hear what you guys have to say. And then, of course, the OGs over on Apple Podcasts. Rate, review, subscribe there as well. But until next time, we'll see you.